0: So, what do you want to be known for? This is one of those questions that can bother us in a really good way. Some people think the world is getting worse. Some people think the world is getting better. The reality is that both are true. It just depends on how you see things. As for us, in a hypercritical, cynical world, often known for what it's against, Let's be a group of people known for what we're for. This is what it feels like when you find something to live. Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Hey, I want to say welcome to all of you at all of our churches this morning. It's great to have all of you with us as we are in week two of a conversation to get us ready to be rich toward our communities uh, starting next week um, in November. And uh, last week we started having this conversation entitled For, because here's what we believe as a church. We believe that for far too long, the church has been known for what is it against instead of who we are for. So I just want to say if today, like your first time with us, or if you don't really consider yourself like a church person, or if you're just exploring what it means to follow Jesus, I'm telling you, you could not have picked a better season for you to come. Because here's why. You're going to get a front row seat to what faith is supposed to look like. Like you're going to get to look at the local church and say, okay, this is what the local church should look like when the local church is working Right? And so today to kind of continue our conversation, I want us to think about two questions. In fact, you might want to write these questions down. Here's the first question. And that is this, what do we want RCC to be known for? Like, what do we hope people outside of our church will think about us? Now, if you were with us last weekend when we had started out this conversation, or if you watched online later, you kind of already know the answer to this question, and that is this. We want to be known as a church that is for everyone. Like, we want to be salt, and we want to be light. We want to be men and women who are changing our culture for the better. Like, we want to be known as a group of people that is pointing other people to Jesus Christ and helping them understand that Jesus can make your life better and make you so much better at life. So what do we want to be known for? But the second question this morning is this, and that is this, what is RCC actually known for? In other words, like what do people really think of our church family? Like, do they even think about us at all? Like, are we making a big enough impact in our community for people even to notice Now, now here's why these two questions are so important, because when what we want to be known for and what we are actually known for is the same, here's what happens. The church becomes irresistible. See, when the local church is doing what the local church was designed by God to do, to love people the way God has called us and designed us to love people, people can't help but finding it appealing. Like you can't help but be glad there's a local church like that, that would love people like God loved us in our community. And that's our goal as a church. Like we want to be the kind of church that even if people don't agree with us on what we believe, that they still want to be part of us because of what we do for the people in our community. Like even if you don't see yourself as a church person. Like, we would want you to think this about us as a church. Like, hey, we hope RCC never leaves this community because of the positive impact that we're making on the lives of people. See, that's what happens when a local church is working right. So today, as we continue this conversation, like we're going to look at how we who call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ can create synergy between these two ideas, like what you can do and what I can do so that we can actually be known for what we actually want to be known for so that those things are one and the same. Now, here's the way we're going to set this up. In the early days of the church, there was this man by the name of James. In the first century, there was this man by the name of James and his brother or his half brother, you could say it this way, was Jesus. Now, James was the leader of the Christian church in Jerusalem. And James, like many of us, he looks around and he saw people that he cared about who were resisting following Jesus. And it broke his heart because James, who was like the half brother of Jesus, he knew that Jesus could make your life better and make you so much better at life. So he wrote this letter to these Christ followers in Jerusalem and he reminds them that there is a version of faith that is absolutely irresistible. A version of faith that causes people to lean in and learn more because they realize that God is for them because we as Christ followers show them that God is for them because our actions as followers of Jesus Christ show that we are for them them. And then James goes on in this letter and he reminds us there's a version of faith that repels people from Jesus Christ. A version of faith that causes people to walk away from God and away from the church. And here's the thing, whenever people experience that version of faith that causes them to be repelled from God and the church, here's what they think. Church isn't for them because the church isn't for them. And James knew that. And here's what he said to them about this. Notice what he says, James chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, and when he uses the term brothers and sisters, he's referring to people who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds. And when you read this, you kind of understand this is a rhetorical question because we all kind of know the answer to that, right? It's like, what good is it? It's no good. It's why if like, if you're at one of our churches this morning and you don't really consider yourself a church person or you've had kind of like a bad church experience in the past and you think the church is like full of hypocrites, this is why, isn't it? Because you've watched Christians or you've experienced Christians who claim to have faith, this deep faith in God, but they don't live it out. And you've thought to yourself, listen, if that's what it means to follow Jesus, or if that's what being a Christian means, then I want no part of it. Because you're thinking in your mind, listen, I'm kinder to people than what Christians are kinder to people. And so James is saying, listen, listen, it is no good for somebody to claim they have faith, but never back it up by how they live. Matter of fact, James is going to kind of point out that it's worse than no good. He's saying, it's no good to say you have faith and not to back it up with your behavior. He's saying, listen, it's not just neutral, it's not just harmful. He's saying it is absolutely hurtful. And he says it ends up making faith and the church very re- resistible. Now, unfortunately, this is the version of faith that many of you grew up seeing. Like Christians who are all this talk about their faith and there's no walk. There's no behavior to back it up. And here's the thing. We don't trust people like that, do we? Like, we don't respect people like that. And we certainly are not going to be influenced for the good by people like that. Because when you see that, you see, well, or assume you should, I could say, you assume that's what it means to be a Christian, to have all this talk, but have no walk to back it up. So James, he writes to these Jewish Christians and he says, hey, you're claiming to have this faith in Jesus, but there is absolutely no evidence by the way that you live, by your behavior toward other people. That even proves it. You don't show up by how you treat other people. And he goes, that's a problem, not just for other people, but it's also a problem for you. In fact, listen to how he goes on to say it. He says, can such faith save them? And again, you kind of know the answer to that. James's answer is no. No. Because that's not real faith. In other words, he's like, if you claim to follow Jesus, but you don't live like Jesus and your actions don't look like Jesus in any way, he goes, you're not really following. He's saying, basically, if you have no deeds to back up your faith, no behavior changes toward other people in order to treat them like Jesus treats us, he goes, then you got no faith. If your faith doesn't change your behavior, if it's not changing the way that you treat people, then your faith is no good for you and it's no good for others. And your faith is not real, James says, because it's impossible to follow Jesus and not do good deeds, not treat people better. And some of us, we kind of just want to do this whole well, but you you don't understand and you you don't know how busy I am and you don't know my story and you don't know how much I've been hurt by other people and and you don't really don't have a right to say that because you don't really know who I am. So James says, okay, let me give you an example to kind of make this point. Here's what he says. Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And once again, the answer is obvious. Everybody on every campus, what good is it? None, there's no good. Matter of fact, James is gonna go in to say, it's harmful. Because if somebody has like no clothes or food and we look at them and say, listen, I am so sorry, you know, I hope you stay warm and get some good food tonight, good luck on that, God bless you, but don't offer them any help or, he's like, that's just incredibly cold-hearted. And James says, you can't say you have faith if your actions toward the people around you don't show that you are for them. Like James is saying, you can't wake up in the morning and look in the mirror and go, I'm for people. You just can't do that. You can't just say, I'm I'm a loving person and not show love consistently to other people. He's going, that is about as harmful as it can be. That's about as hurtful as it can be to be in a position to help other people and say, listen, I see your need, but I'm going to ignore you. Like nobody is going to believe for a moment that you are for other people if you behave that way, which is why James goes on to say, in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And you go, what does he mean by dead? It means dead. Like there's no life to it. It's not faith. In other words, if my beliefs do not translate into behavior, then he says, you don't really believe. Then he ends with this. He says, but someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Like, I don't need deeds. I just have my faith. But James says, oh, no, no, no. You've got to have both. In fact, he, he continues, show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my Deeds, Which is really his way of saying, like, if you have real faith, you're not just going to say that you have faith. Other people are going to be able to see your faith because of the way that you behave toward them, because of the way that you treat them. Like, they're going to know that you're for them. Here's what James is saying. They're going to know that you're for them before you ever say it. They won't have to read about it. They won't have to study it. They're not even gonna be confused about what it means. Like James is saying, if you're really for people, they like, when when they see that four sticker you have on your car or that 4 t-shirt you wear, it's gonna just be obvious. They'll go, oh, that person is so for people. Because James says, I'm gonna show you my faith by what I do by how I treat other people. In fact, here's James's point. Being for others authenticates your faith. Like what you do, your attitude, your actions, your behavior toward other people, it shows other people who you really are and what your heart is really like. And see, whenever your actions don't align with your faith, do you know what that makes you? Do you know what makes me? It makes us inauthentic, it makes us fake. It makes us a hypocrite. And I wanna tell you, that is the number one problem that people have with people who call themselves Christians. It's the number one reason people give for not being a part of a church. Like they don't want to be part of a group of people who are inauthentic and people whose actions don't line up with what they say they believe. Now, here's what's still so confusing about this or frustrating about this. Like, there are still people who call themselves Christ followers who, who will say things like this, like, my faith is so deep and because I just know so much about the Bible, you know, and, and I can just quote so much scripture. And they, and they just think they're deep. And, and they think they're deep spiritual people because they can explain, like, complicated theological ideas. And, and some of you will say, and I hold people accountable in my workplace to the truth of God's word. When somebody says that to me, I run. (laughs) Because I know what I'm dealing with at that point. You know, somebody who's all faith, no deeds. You know, it's like people say that kind of stuff and and your wife and your children or your husband are thinking, yeah, and you're just miserable to live with. You know, you're just over here like being this Bible thumper and you know, just just saying all this stuff about God and the Bible and like, we don't even want to be around you anymore. You know, the people at work, they can't stand you. Like, they see you coming, and they're just afraid you're going to beat, beat, them, beat them up with the Bible, and they just run. And you can't figure out why nobody wants to be around you. And, and you went on this mission trip one time, and, and the rest of the people on that team, you know, they secretly were gathering trying to figure out how they could kill you in Jesus' name. <laughs> like, you are making them so miserable. And everybody around you is thinking like, how can you claim to follow Jesus Christ who showed us what it means to love one another and not get a little bit better every year at loving one another? Like how do you claim to have Christ in you and only act like you're just full of yourself? See, James is saying, listen, being for others, literally the way that you treat others, it authenticates whether your faith is real or whether it's fake. And I just want to go ahead and say, like if your religion is all about you, if it stops with all about what's in it for me, then your faith or your religion it stops short of what is acceptable or what it really means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Listen, James says, listen, if your religion has become somehow all about you, you're just missing what it's all about, which means like we love to gather and we love to learn and we love to worship and, man, we love to have our children and our students experience God in these engaging environments, but James is saying at some point in time, We've got to stop equating Sunday morning, just attending something on Sunday morning as equating to living out our faith. Like he says, living out your faith, authentic faith is so much more than sermons and songs. In fact, he goes on in another part of his letter, he writes to these Christians, he says, listen, pure and undefiled religion, religion that God our Father accepts is a religion that does make not make it all about me. It's a religion that God accepts is is one that is full. For other people, just like Jesus was for other people. And James had a front row seat to watch that because Jesus was like his half brother. And so G- James is reminding us, he's like, listen, when you follow my brother Jesus and whenever you like read the teachings of the New Testament, it's a whole different story. There, there's, you change the way you treat people. In fact, When Jesus, and we've talked about this before, but when Jesus gathered his disciples at the very end of his ministry for the Last Supper, he goes, listen, tonight I'm like giving you a new command. And the new command is, I want you to love one another, not the way that you want to be loved by others. But he says, I'm raising that standard. I want you to love one another as you have experienced me loving you. And then he washes their feet to illustrate that. And then he goes to the cross and he dies on the cross for the sin of all mankind, even those who would reject him. And James is reminding us, listen, from that point forward, those of us who claim the name of Jesus, who claim to be followers of Jesus, our behavior is to be governed by Jesus' behavior toward us. So here's the thing. If we as followers of Jesus are really gonna be followers of Jesus, it takes us back to this question. What do we wanna be known for? What do we wanna be known for? Well, here's what we wanna be known for. We wanna be known as a church that is for everyone. Here's why, because Jesus is for everyone, which means this, we are for our schools, we are for our businesses, we we are for adults. We are for students. We are for children. Like we are for people. It's why we say that we're like for Calhoun and Liberty and Washington, Holmes and Wakala and Baldwin, and Jackson County. The reason we say we're for that is not just because we're for a county. We're for the people in that county, because God is for them. And if what we want to be known for is ever actually going to happen. Listen, it's going to happen because we live it out in our communities. James is saying, listen, saying you have faith isn't enough. He says, we also have to have deeds. We have to prove that we as a church are for everybody by actually being for everybody. We have to put our faith into action by doing something. So to kind of help us create this kind of connection in our community, help our communities know that we're for them, I I want to challenge us at all of our churches to do three things. Here are the three three things we want to challenge you to do. First of all, you create common ground. Second, create common conversations or great conversations. And then third, create connections. So to help our communities know that we are for them, the people in our communities know we're for them, the first thing we have to do is create common ground. Now, here's the thing. For many people who don't go to church, they don't believe the church is for them because they believe they have nothing in common with people who go to church. And I'm just telling you, it could not be further from the truth. But the reason they feel that way is because they see all these people talking about their faith, but they have no deeds to back it up. See, we have so much in common with the people who live in our communities. Like we love our communities. We live in our communities too. We want our communities to be great. So we have that in common. Like we create common ground as a church family by clearly communicating to the people in our community, like we want where you live to be a great place to live because that's what we want too. Like you want this to be a great place to raise your kids. We want that. We want You want businesses to thrive around here, like, we want that too. Like, you want the schools to be great. We absolutely want that to happen as well. Like, you want the parks to be clean and and the people to be served well in our community. Like, we want that. And, And you start having those kind of conversations and you start being able to change the way people think to go, like, we have so much in common. And that's why as we continue to move forward in this fall, like we're going to do everything we can to make you aware of community events that kind of get you out in the community and serve. Like it's why you're going to watch us promote like local businesses and organizations and social events in your communities on social media because our social media is going to be less about our church and more about what's going on in our community. And here's the thing, as you see opportunities, make sure you promote those things, engage in them, serve in them. Let the people in our communities know that we are for them. Because for far too long, the church has either had an adversarial kind of relationship with people who don't go to church or a non-existent relationship with people who don't go to church. So we want to show our communities, hey, we have so much in common. We have common ground. And then as we create common ground, we want to create conversations, which is part of the reason that we're calling this series and this season in our church for. Because, see, we want to create opportunities for people to ask you about, like, what is this for thing? In fact, as we challenged you last week, we said, hey, you need to come along and you need to do this pay it backwards kind of thing. Like last week, we gave out. These car clings, and, and we gave you this four card. And, and guess what? On every campus this week, you're getting a four t shirt as you exit the auditorium. Yeah, you need to go ahead and applaud that because you paid for them, right? They're yours. Now, let me just say something. Here's the thing. Some of you are gonna go to this table to pick up these t-shirts and you're gonna say, hey, I'm for everybody in my family and they couldn't be here today. Can I have one for everyone in my family? Let the people who are here get one first before you start getting them for everybody else, right? Um, And then there'll be many other days that you can pick up one if you don't be able to get one. You can bring your family and they can get one next Sunday or something. But um, here's what we challenge you to do. Put this four car cling on your car, okay? And you'll get one, you can have one. If you didn't get one last week, um, they are available on your campus this week. And as you do, we'd ask you to kind of consider spreading the message and creating conversation and, and start thinking about like, who has God put in your life? Like, who could you have a conversation with this week? Like, who do you know that needs a relationship with God? Like, who can you serve this week and show them that you are for them? And then the question becomes, how do I do that? Well, take them a meal, take them to coffee, text them, check in, meet a need in their life, offer to help them in something that they're doing. Like just show up, if you hear they're doing something, just show up and serve them. Like lean in and serve, you know, ask questions, learn, learn to know who they are. I mean, maybe just simply pay it backwards as we talked about this last week. In other words, you put this clean on the back window of your car and as you're going through like a drive-through, then you pay for the person's meal behind you and you give this little four card to the cashier and say, tell the person that somebody is for them. That's why we call it pay it backwards. And as you drive away, the person will have seen that four cling, and they're gonna be informed by the person that was paid, you know, or the cashier that you paid for their meal. I mean, it's no small thing. People start talking about that and they're gonna tell somebody at work, hey, do you know the other day I was in this line, saw this car that had this forecling and they paid for my meal and left this card. And then people are going to see some of you walking around with these four t-shirts on, and they're going to go, what does that mean? And here's what it does. It opens up a door for you to tell them that at RCC, we don't want anything from you. Instead, we want something for you because we are for everyone in our community. In fact, some people go, how do I answer when people are like, what does this four thing mean? Well, here's what four is all about. You may want to write this down and kind of memorize it. It's like, we believe, this is what you say. When people come to you and go, hey, what's this four thing all about? You just go, hey, we believe that for far, too long the church has been known for what it's against we want everyone to know we are for them that's what we want we want people to just know we're for them because the church has been known for hating and judging and beating up people and it's time that our world understands no that's not what this church is about we want them to know we're for them See, this is how you create conversation and this is how you create common ground. And then it comes to the God part because all of this is about the gospel. It's helping people or it's helping to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. See, as, as we begin to do these things, then God begins to come along and take the common ground and he begins to take the conversations and he begins to do something else. He starts creating connections. See, God can take moments and God can take conversations and he can begin to shrink the gap between God and people, between what we want to be known, because of if we shrink what we want to be known for and what we're really known for, God can take that and he can begin to shrink it. So we're asking you today, begin to pray that God starts taking this common ground that we're gonna work on creating and these conversations that you're gonna have and he takes these moments and you begin to pray. And here's why we say to begin to pray, God help us to create connections because as Carl Barr says it this way, he says to clasp hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprise to remove the disorder in our world. See, to kind of sum it up, here's what we know. For far too long, the church has been known for what we're against. We should be known for what we're for. See, we want to have a faith that authenticates itself through our deeds. We want people who are nothing like us because of what we do for them in the name of Jesus. We want them to come in and find a relationship with Jesus. And what happens when they come in all of a sudden they're going to go, oh, we're just like them. Those people in that church, they're just like us. Listen, folks, this is too important for us not to engage. So here's the thing. Will you show our communities that we are for them so they can understand that God is for them? See, the whole why behind all of this is Jesus. Because see, if you're a follower of Christ and you're sincere about being a follower of Jesus and you're not a fake, you understand that following Jesus can make your life better and make you so much better at life. And you can do this all by doing these three things, just create common ground, create conversations and create connections. Listen, here's what's at stake. If we as a church don't get this right, then it's just a matter of time before we just become another group of people who become all about ourselves and we lose influence and impact in our community. But here's what's at stake for our community. If we don't get this right, kids are going to grow up without having their identity anchored in the unshakable, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. And parents are going to grow out without the guidance and wisdom that God would want for them to be able to lead their lives well and the lives of their children well. Marriages are going to end that don't need to end. Uh, Addictions will happen that won't need to happen. Like people will continue to wake up every day just feeling purposeless with their life. And then this is the bigger part. There'll be too many people who will eventually spend eternity separated from God. So I'm telling you, being for others so they can begin to realize that God is for them, that God is not angry at them, that God loves them, that Jesus died on the cross because God loves them. I'm telling you folks, it really, really matters. Please hear me. When our church is for our communities, for people, and we deeply desire to introduce them to the love of Jesus Christ, that is only authenticated through faith that shows itself through our deeds. And as, as we begin to do that, it begins to remove the obstacles so that people don't see God and the church is resistible. And I'm telling you, when we have the love of Jesus and we start showing people that we are for them by loving them like Jesus loved us, I'm telling you, it begins to point our communities to Jesus in a very beautiful way. So will you commit to that today? Bow your heads with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to live on this earth, to die, to rise again, in order for us to understand that God is not angry at us, but God loves us. God did not want to punish us. It's why he took the punishment for sin out on his son. He wants to be in a relationship with us and love us. God, I just pray that you will help us to have the heart of our Heavenly Father as we go into our community this week. God, help us to love others the way that you have loved us. Help us to understand through the power of your Holy Spirit working in our lives how to live in such a way, to live out our faith in such a way that people understand that God is for them by the way that we show them that we, as followers of Jesus, are for them. God, we commit to that. And we ask for your help as a church body and as a church family. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen. Everyone, have a great day. Grab your four T-shirt on your way out and we will see you next Sunday.